0: Hi there, Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment here. Welcome to the latest episode of Farm Equipment's podcast series, Our Dealer Story. In this week's episode, Nick Johnson from the Farm Equipment team sat down with Bob Sinclair, CEO of Sinclair Tractor, during the Iowa-Nebraska Dealers Association meeting. Bob and his father, Moe Sinclair, started the business in 1998. Moe had been looking at a machinery dealership investment and needed someone to run it. Bob and his wife were living in Dayton, Ohio at the time, but had been wanting to get back home to rural Iowa. With no prior experience in the farm equipment business, the first couple of years were rocky, but the family's persistence and hard work paid off. Today, Sinclair Tractor has 13 locations as well as 13 Napa Auto Parts stores. Before we head over to Nick's conversation with Bob, I wanted to thank our sponsor HBS Systems, a multi-generational company that for over 30 years has provided leading edge systems and software technology designed specifically for ag and construction equipment dealers. Thanks for making this podcast series possible. We'll jump into the conversation with Bob sharing the story of how the dealership got started and some of the early struggles they had in keeping the business afloat.
1: Hi everybody, and welcome to the podcast. This is Our Dealer's Story. My name's Nick Jensen. We're here today with Bob Sinclair, recording on-site at the Iowa-Nebraska Equipment Dealers Association. Bob's with uh, Sinclair Tractor. They have 16 locations uh, throughout southeast Iowa, and 13 of them are John Deere stores, and you've got some Napa stores too, right, Bob? Yes, yes we do. Okay, great. Would you mind just telling us uh, the story of how Sinclair Tractor got started, and uh, any other uh, history tidbits that you'd like to give would be wonderful.
2: Okay, so uh, back in 1998, had the opportunity to work with my father to start up a John Deere dealership in the town of Sigourney. Uh, there had been a dealership there previously, but we uh, started from scratch and our local fairgrounds was our first temporary facility and we uh, were there a couple months and moved to our current facility uh, on the north side of town which took over an old uh, manufacturing complex that had been abandoned. and we. Uh, Just started trying to figure out the business. It was kind of those late 90s. It was kind of some tough times. Uh, A little bit of a a farm crisis. Took quite a bit of of understanding to learn the business. Uh, In the early days, we tried to do whatever we could to be able to produce enough margin to keep the doors open. So, uh, been there a few months and uh, the local Napa dealership in our town had uh, went under. And uh, we took that opportunity to bring Napa into our business, and uh, that's been a, a vital part of our, our, our operation since, since the early days. Continued on as a single store a few years, and uh, like folks in a lot of small communities, uh, the challenge that we had was technology and supporting technology. Lots of technology and agriculture and the need for computers, the need for understanding how that is. And the town of Sigourney didn't have the resources for us to pull from. So we uh, ended up starting up a computer business where sold computers, service computers and networks and uh, had clients from, did work for the high school, the county, the jail, lots of local businesses where we took what we had done and uh, leveraged that in, across the entire community. Stayed with that a few more years and uh, I got, in, got involved in the technology side of farming, uh, working with a, a company out of um, uh, West Des Moines called Premier Crop, who um, had a data management tool where allowed farmers to write prescriptions for seed and fertilizer use in a, a 60 foot by 60 foot swath all through their fields. And so uh, we became a, uh, a dealer for Premier Crop and call that division of our, of our organization, call it Yield Force. So we have agronomists on staff where we help our farmers analyze their data and use that data to create information and insight that they can use to make more money in their business. So kept on that and then in 2012, Uh, we had the opportunity to purchase a couple dealerships in Centerville and Bloomfield and uh, so went from one to three and at that same point we uh, we acquired a couple more Napa stores and added more Napa to our uh, to our organization did that for a few years and then had the opportunity to to purchase another eight stores um, uh, from the precision equipment company and um, kind of went in just a few short years went from one store to uh, just on the John Deere and Napa together in the same location to 11 John Deere stores and uh, three standalone Napa stores.
1: That had to be a huge change operationally and in terms of how you even manage the business. What challenges did you face with that and and how did you address them and, and what was what was successful for you?
2: The biggest challenge that we had was culture Culture is something that uh, is at the heart of any business, and our culture as a single store was very strong, and people kind of knew what was going on. As the, as the leader of the organization, I'm around, people working with me kind of knew what we were doing, but as we, as we increased and added more locations, the ability to drive culture through a single person or just through a few people was more of a challenge.
1: What about syncing up uh, operational systems or anything like that as well? Did you have any trouble with that, or was that all pretty well done for you by your, by your main
2: OE, or, or how did you manage that? So it is uh, the thing with business systems and that the, the operations of a business, things are continually changing. What, what we have to do to support the equipment as technology comes in, we're, we're constantly learning. Every year, there's new equipment. We have to learn how to fix parts. We have to learn how to look up, and so from the from the perspective of learning the business systems and, and integrating business systems, that was um, that was a little bit simpler process because where we were was known, where we had to get to was known, and it just took. Several steps to get from where we were to where we needed to get to. So that was, it was some work, a little expense to integrate those. And but you know the team was able to learn and learn those systems and be able to to excel with them.
1: Operating a computer store as well, I imagine that gives you a, a quite a unique perspective on the technology and precision side of things, or or at least gave you a head start on above most dealers when you started. Would that have been the case? And and are there specific examples of that 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 you can think of as you were starting to get into precision?
2: So with the overall uh, IT side of the business, all of our customers were kind of on the same journey that we were in where computers and the need for computers was something that they were struggling with as well. So that gave us a great opportunity to have more meaningful conversations with our customers to be able to be more of of a trusted advisor if they trust you with their first personal computer, uh, if they trust you to help fix their network at home, their printer, access to their their photos and things, that that relationship was able to be magnified and helped our John Deere relationship as well. It also gave us a little bit of a heads up on the data security and the the whole thing of that trust relationship that customers have with their dealer. Uh, We were maybe a, a little bit ahead of that with some of the some of the the forms and things we'd sign as a uh, uh, non-disclosure thing with our own personal employees to give those customers a little more peace of mind so the uh, the computer side of the business was called silotech okay and silotech is uh, we've pretty much incorporated that into our own our own self we still have a few customers that we help support but to support your computer it is substantially easier today the technology has gotten more advanced uh, more throwaway type stuff you know the iPad generation that we're in the need for us to, to fill a void in that space pretty much went away and we didn't stay up with trying to find that next thing to do on the technology side on the personal on the personal and business thing we just focused on ourselves and let our uh, let our customers go to other suppliers
1: I saw your uh, hand go up when they asked if you employed any agronomists there in the in the meeting earlier what drove the decision there or what some dealers have them some dealers don't uh, what drove the decision
2: there to told you you needed to employ agronomists in your in your business so the mission statement that we created in 1998 was was pretty simple and is very relevant today it's to integrate technology into our lives to help us and our customers become more efficient and more profitable so we use our, our mission statement to drive some, some decisions about capital allocation, uh, business direction, and we're looking at the data. And a lot of data, uh, initially in, in our precision farming journey, it was equipment driving itself, or even before that, uh, having a, uh, your monitor tell you if you're online or not, and you had to self-steer. It would be a beep to go left and a different beep to go right to stay on, on track. And uh, that was fun, moved some things forward. But as putting yield monitors in combines and understanding the, the variable rate opportunities with hydraulic drives on planners, we identified that need to provide an additional service to our customers. And uh, we were able to do that on a per acre and per hour basis, helping them as a trusted business advisor not replacing any of their other business advisors but more of giving a an independent third party uh look at what they're doing and helping them make those decisions on on inputs and uh, what to plant and and where
0: we'll get back to the sinclair tractor story in a minute but first i wanted to say thanks to hbs systems the sponsor of this series to learn more about hbs's equipment dealership management systems visit www.hbssystems.com. After that, head over to farm-equipment.com for the latest industry news. And to learn more about the next Dealership Mine Summit, and to register, visit www.dealershipminesummit.com. Now back to the story of Sinclair Tractor and some of Bob's early memories of getting the business up and running.
1: Shifting gears just a little bit, uh, going back a little more to the history I uh, had the opportunity in in the past to work with my father on a business and I I know I had some, I have some very distinct memories of some times that uh, were spent together working on the business. Do you have any distinct memories from those early days that you'd like to share with us?
2: Well, the thing about my father, and i uh, I won the womb lottery with my mom and my dad, just just wonderful people, very supportive of me my entire life, and being able to to work with my dad and see how he makes decisions, the decisiveness, the how he cares, and how he's willing to to be supportive, to take a risk if it if a risk can be taken and it's the right risk, and to live with the results. And uh, that's. Pretty exciting to, to be able to start something so small and, and see it grow.
1: Moving into that, uh, that first real location, you know, after the, after the fairgrounds and everything, I'm sure there were a lot of decisions that had to be made at that point. Uh, everything from office furniture to who was going to sit where and, and, uh, and how you were going to set up service and, and where you were going to stock things just in terms of how to set things up and things like that do you have any particular memories of moving in or setting things up or or choosing systems or anything like that
2: you know you think about the the old days and um, um, when we started where we were at there was not a place For us to be this facility had some some weather damage to it so there was holes in it Uh, there was kind of look a little bit like a war zone there was a straight line wind had come through and taken a canopy and thrown it on some buildings and and there was really no place to be so initially we just had to clean things up i can remember putting in an office trailer and uh, working out of an office trailer, and there was a building we could make a maintenance shop out of, and another building to uh, to have a, our parts department in and we were able to string some phone lines and put some some uh, two line phones uh, where we had four phone lines one was uh, was the fax line that was line four and and we had two phones on every desk, and line one was one phone, and line three was a different phone so just those memories and and how that how our customer base got behind us and wanted us to be successful uh, with that understanding in in a small town every business is important and the communities uh, that we that we're in today and and, and especially Sigourney where we started uh, the help that everybody gave was was phenomenal. We uh, we needed a we needed an air compressor so our local electrician who we still use today. Loaned us a uh, an air compressor and hooked it up for us. We didn't have any vehicles at the time and needed some, so the local Dodge and Ford dealers both gave us vehicles to, to use until we figured out what we wanted to buy. And and just everywhere we turned around, that that town stepped up to help us because they wanted us there.
1: That's fantastic. Do you remember the uh, first person you decided to hire?
2: Yes, it was. <laughs> it it in, in a fact, it was there was two people that worked for the company before the company was even started. And at Tony Club and Vern Fair, um, in the transition where the other folks shut down and we started up, there were still things that needed to be fixed. So they went to a local neighbor shop and they worked on equipment at the at the neighbor shop. And then when we finally started business a couple weeks later, they brought that service work and those repair hours to us where we started off, I guess, in the black right away because of what these two, two gentlemen did. And, and Vern retired from, uh, from us uh, a few years ago, and, and Tony is still a, a just a, one of our best and most trusted fixer guys that if, it, if it's not, if he can't fix it, it's not broken.
1: That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, what, what lines did you start with in the, in the very beginning? We
2: started just with the John Deere line, and uh, that was all. Uh, John Deere, just the ag side. We didn't even sell lawnmowers for a period of time. John Deere lawnmowers, and then over the years, we picked up, uh, you know, picked up some um, uh, auger lines and wagon lines and some of those things. But we stayed pretty much true to the John Deere brand for the simple reason of we were learning the business and learning how to do it, and it just made more sense to learn how to do one thing and be a master of that trade versus trying to do multiple things and maybe not do them all well.
1: Today at the conference we heard a lot about how service needs to tie in more and more with, uh, with equipment sales and how service is a, is a huge part of the, of the business. How do you guys address the service component of sales versus the, the whole goods component of sales? And, and uh, is, is there much of a differentiation or how do, you, how, how do they work together?
2: So the you know there's 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 the three sides of the business there's the part side the service side and the whole goods side and that's where the the revenue comes through and and uh, each one of those has a different gross margin each one of them has different risks but they all have something in common it is you're dealing with the same customer but what a customer is looking for when they're buying parts is different than service is different than than when they're buying the whole goods and. It is, uh, with service, it takes a lot of training and experience to be able to fix something, to know how to fix something. It is a, uh, there's a lot of things that may only happen one time, or it happened this way this time, it's going to happen this way the next time, and it just requires such a, a level of of expertise, that um, um, that's one of my favorite. That, that that would be the favorite side of my of, of the business is helping that helping that farmer through that time where they have a broken down piece of equipment and how to get it fixed. And and the relationship that customers have with their service technician, it's amazing. It's almost like they're a, the the most favorite person in the world when you call up your technician and they answer and they can help you. To be able to get your crop in or get your crop out, it is that relationship um, that the farmer has with their technician often drives the relationship that that farmer has with the rest of the business.
1: Very good. Obviously, from uh, 1998 to 2020, there's been uh, a lot of changes in the industry, and dealerships have had to adapt and change along the way as well. Are there a couple of key changes that Sinclair tractors made over the years that is that has kept you ahead of the competition or, or that you feel were the vital ones that that uh, that you've made over the years so
2: as a dealer the best days when we gave the best service and had the best relationships with with everyone when, when was when we were a single store but as as farms have increased in size as economies of scale have been demanded as as just the economy has has evolved we've been forced to get bigger and uh, one of our uh, one of our great customers uh, Todd Hagan has a has a saying that he's told me multiple times it's easy to get big it's tough to get better and so we were able to get big um And those economies of scale help drive some things, but getting better in that journey, that's been our biggest struggle and that's what keeps me up at night. How can we provide the same level of service that we did when we were a single store now that we have more than one? And how do you teach the culture? How do you teach and how do you help people learn what it means to be a member of the team and to have the honor to, to take care of the customers that that choose us.
1: In in terms of challenges, has there all businesses go through its ups and downs? Has there has there ever been a time where where you just kind of just sat down and kind of wondered, you know, gosh, are, are we going to make it through this, or or anything like that, or 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 is has there been a time where where it's just been it's just been really tough to to well to sleep at night. <laughs>
2: Well, the beginning days, uh, when we were uh, in our temporary facility and, and and then starting and building where we are today, it was a uh, pretty, pretty steep learning curve. And in those days, it was uh, you know a little bit younger then, easy to get up and get out of bed and go do things. But there was a lot of challenges then. But it seems like God has a plan. And if you continue on that plan, you get up, and you work hard and do your best and you keep your core culture you keep your 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 morals and your ethics you just keep on going and things just uh seem to roll forward when you look towards the future what vision
1: or plans for Sinclair tractor could you share with us as to what what's in store the next five ten twenty years
2: so where we are today and um it is in our growth journey, it is we are content to be the size that we're at, we have enough of a, of a territory, and now it's time to, to really focus on improving what we do, improving our efficiencies, and getting ready for this, this next farm economy. Um, with what's going on in the world and the challenges that, that our farmers, uh, our customers are feeling. We have to be able to be there for them and understand what do they need from us? What can we do to stay relevant so we can help them make money and we can stay in business and, uh, and be successful as well?
1: That's fantastic. Well, Bob, it's been a really great pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time and sitting down with us. I hope you found it as, as fun as I have anyway. Um, my name's Nick Jensen. I'm with, uh, we're with uh, Lesseter Media. This is Our dealer Story. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much to Bob Sinclair for taking the time to sit down and share Sinclair's tractor story with us. And another thanks to HBS Systems for making this podcast possible. I'd love to get your feedback on the series, so drop me a line at kschmidt at You can subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. This will ensure you're alerted as soon as new episodes are made. Thanks for joining us for this one-on-one conversation with Bob Sinclair. Until next time, I'm Kim Schmidt signing out of the R Dealer Story podcast.